Speak softly loud and hold me warm against your heart. Welcome, everybody. It's another episode of Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And we're really exciting, excited because this is a continuance of what we did last week. And it's actually opened up my ears to the music. And for the people who weren't listening last week, you can go back and pick it up. And we're all in our library. But we're going through chronologically my singing career, which we never touched on all the time we did the podcast. We have some great news at the end of this show, which is probably going to shock you. So with that said, let me introduce Pat Picciarelli, my co-writer. And, Hi, everybody. And I'm happy to say we are about to write a couple of more books. You've been asking. We'll keep you apprised of that. Megan Horan is with us, coordinating Hello, everything, everyone. keeping us in order if that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm excited about this show. And just reflecting on it from last week, what do you all think? Megan, you gave me a great compliment by saying you heard the Beatles. That's the only tune you remembered or recognized. Yes, it is. It is one of the ones. It started playing and I was almost like, oh, like it's so, the music's so special to me as it is so many people. Um, and Sinatra too, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love it so far. I like, I like going through and being able to hear it real time while we're discussing this. I think it's great. Make sure we give one to your grandmother because I know she'd love this music. <laughs> Tell it's a Christmas Absolutely. gift from me to her. Absolutely. I think she would love it. And Pat, what are you thinking, buddy? Well, I tell you, uh, I particularly liked uh, it was a very good year. The pacing, you know, I, I, this is what Sinatra was all about. He would tell you a story and it was it would sound like he's sitting right next to you or you're in a in a lounge or, or sharing a drink with him at a bar. It's exactly what you sounded like. The pacing was perfect. I mean, I was very impressed with that. I mean, I liked them all, but I was particularly impressed with it was a very good year. Well, that was the one thing that he told me, and we've, we touched on it a little bit before. He said, when you're telling or singing a lyric, you got to be telling a story to a, a fictitious person or a woman you're trying to carouse or, or, and caress or get involved with, or just a bunch of buddies, like you're saying, sitting around and drinking, and you're telling them a story. But you're going to have to capture their attention. And the only way you're going to do that is make it sound like it's coming from your heart. And you're talking one-on-one. -on -one. If there's six of them, two of them, or one of them. And we, I, I think, and, and thank you for the compliment, because it seems to be working. Well, I tell you, with that song, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter how old you are or how young you are, it feels like you're singing directly to me. You know, no matter what the circumstances are, like, you're, you know, you're disregarding everybody else. I'm listening to that song and you're singing it for me and you're talking about your life. And that's what you're trying to accomplish here. And you pulled it off very well. Well, thank you. The next tune was a tune that Paul Anka wrote for Sinatra to retire. And uh, I, well, as you know, Paul has been on the show He's a great musician, and uh, unbeknownst, which even our 
audiences never heard this before. When they released the tune, the shock of the mob throughout the country didn't know Sinatra was retiring, <laughs> meaning he didn't ask their permission because they made so much money with him that Paul wrote My Way, and a few months or a year later, Paul had to write, let me try again, because they told him, you got to come back and work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is my version of Sinatra's departing tune for an hour or two. <laughs> <laughs> end is near, it's time to face the final curtain, my friends, I'll say it clear, I'll state my case, on which I am certain, I've lived a life that's full, I've traveled each and every highway, but more more than this I did it my way Regrets I've had a few Excellent Again. That lyric, I mean how Paul writes the lyrics that he just comes up with that, that, that's amazing Anybody did, could sing that song with some, if you have any sensitivity it's a great tune, man did he, uh, when Paul Anka wrote that, he was primarily known as a rock and roll guy. Uh, was the industry surprised when he did that? Well, he was touching on a lot of things. A lot of people didn't realize. He was, you know, he started writing music when he was 14. And he wrote most of the jingles. He even did United Airlines, Up, Up, and Away. He did the theme song to the Johnny Carson show. And most people, and, and he's still a very good businessman, but most lay people don't realize if you do a jingle, let's say for The Tonight Show, he got $375 a night for every time they played it because wow. it's a royalty. Not that he had to go in and record it again, <laughs> but he made millions off Johnny Carson just on that one, one song. But... Uh, no, he's a genius. I mean, he's still, I'm happy to say he's still a good friend of mine. He had an amazing tour. He just closed for a minute. But he, he did filling concert hurls yet, which I'm so happy for him. And, um, you know, and taking this kind of material, how, how do you not, you know, there's so many great old tunes. Like My Kind of Girl, I, I always like that tune. That's an old tune of Sinatra's. This one you'll never heard, Megan. <laughs> she walks like an angel walks. She talks like an angel talks. And her hair has a kind of curl To my mind She's my 
my kind of girl She's wise Like an angel's wise With eyes Like an angel's eyes And a smile Like a kind of pearl To my mind She's my kind of girl I think anybody that's a Sinatra uh, fan can recognize that brass section. I mean, you don't hear that anymore. Those musicians don't exist anymore, I don't think. Uh, you once told me, I, I don't know if you mentioned it on the podcast, but he volunteered his orchestra for you. I didn't know that. He said yeah, I could use them, but I didn't know at the end of the session, which was five days straight, and they liked it because they were there anyway. And we did this during the day, and at night he was on stage with them. But musicians, you know, they want to play. Yeah. And so at the end of the session, when I went, to the, the, I think it was Local 920. Don't ask me how I remember that. The Musicians Union, Local 920 of Nevada, came, and I said, uh, how much do I owe you for the session and all that? He said, Mr. Sinatra picked it all up. I said, what? He said, yeah, he paid for it all as a gift to you for your first album. I mean, that's the kind that's of guy amazing. Sinatra was. <laughs> so you have any idea what that would have cost? That would have cost at least 100000 Wow. Oh, my goodness. You know, you got 38 musicians. and it's. But, I mean, that's why when you, you, know, you talk about a guy, he's my singing teacher, what he's done for me. Baptized my son Luciano, you know it was it's it was always great to have him as a mentor. See, and I I learned in our friendship, once he starts drinking, go home. Because <laughs> <laughs> he is a bad drunk and a nasty drunk. But uh, th there's another great tune that uh, he encouraged me to do called Satin Doll, which I don't know how many people ever heard this tune even. Cigarette holder, a wet wigs me over her shoulder. She digs me, I'm Captain, that satin doll. A baby, shall we go? I'm skipping, careful, amigo. You're flipping, speaks Latin, that satin doll. She's nobody's fool, so I'm playing it cool as can be. I'll give her a whirl, but I'm not for no girl catching me. Switch your room I mean, that was a great arrangement. That's great Again. swing, man. Yeah. And so this was by Duke Ellington. Yep. Yeah. So that, what, that was, what that was made, that was his theme song. Okay. What encouraged you to do this? Song? Well, I, I actually had heard Duke Ellington do it live. Sinatra did it a lot. And that's when he had he you know, he had Buddy Rich as a drummer, as a, a normal drummer. Buddy Rich was a star in himself. I mean, his and, and that's that whole swing section. They loved, first of all, playing Vegas with him because it was a party. 
They did two shows a night, two weeks straight. You're talking about 28 shows. And there was a party on stage. They actually would, anybody saw the Rat Pack at the Sands, they would wheel a bar on stage. And, and, and Joey Bishop and, and, uh, and uh, Peter Lawford, Peter Lawford basically was the bartender on stage. They'd have ashtrays, cigarettes, Sinatra being a song, Dean Martin would wander on and everybody would go crazy. And it was, you never knew what was going to happen. And so being a part of that and seeing it, I, I always wanted to be and try it. And this was the perfect time to try it. I, I was in a studio. I, I couldn't you know, really make a mistake. They'd say stop and cut it and whatever. But uh, there's a great collection, I think, of, of music from of Sinatra era. And it takes you from beginning to end. It's... Uh, a, a great time, I think. And um, I, I, what, what else do we have on there? Is this the whole... We're looking at it all, right? Oh, my God, the shout of your smile. Talk about a ballad. Let's play a cut of that. This is a real sexy tune. One day we walked along the sand one day in early spring You held a piper in your hand To mend its broken wing Now I remember Oh, many a day And many a lonely mile The echo of the piper's song the shadow of your smile The shadow of your smile When you are gone Will color all my dreams and lie What do you think of that cut, Megan? I liked it. Would you, would it's you funny. I did. <laughs> I don't even my my reaction. I did crack a little laugh in the beginning, hearing your voice all low, saying this is a real sexy tune. <laughs> I didn't even mean to. It just came out. I tell you, this is my highest compliment. I wish I had a martini. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a that's a lounge song, man. Oh yeah. Yes. Well, they're trying, and, you know, and that was another thing that he taught me to capture that. Whether there's 200 people around you, 100 or 1,000, and still be able to create that mood, that was all Sinatra, thank God. Yeah, where it's just you and the person that's listening to it. Right. Just that one person in a, in a room of 1,000 people. Yeah. That, that's what you convey. That's great, man. So I think we should wrap up this segment of this commercial of how... Pardon the pun. What's that? Pardon the pun. Pardon the pun. Yeah. Pardon the pun. But yeah. um, again, we're, we're excited about it. and we, we introduced it last week on our show. All of these are available now by going on, and Megan can tell you how to do it because she's the genius that controls all of this. Oh, yes, I can do that. I can give you a refresher. 
so yeah all of the songs that we've listened to in these past two episodes if you're not caught up you definitely should be by now um it'll be available on giannirusso.com a bundle of two songs a time for giving and a man alone will be available for 2.99 and then the entire album reflections will also be available for 9.99 so just in time for the holidays fun gift for any gianni russo fan out there yeah well now we're going to talk about something that is totally going to amaze it amazed me when i got the call it amazed you yeah, about we can. I want to get to your reaction to it first of all, to before they before they hear it. But I got a call about two or three weeks ago because you know I want I wanted to start singing again, and I with the COVID and not. I would thank God for Tom Cantone and the Mohegan Sun. They gave me so many stages. The last stage I sang on was up in Niagara Falls View sold out 1,500 people, and it was a big part of the book. I took the book musically and chronologically, brought you through my life in music with the book and photographs of memories of Marilyn and Sinatra and all of that, and got standing ovations and accolades. It was amazing. Then COVID hit, and now we all know that's almost two years already. And my frustration, I guess it was, I wanted to go back into the studio and maybe do that. And unbeknownst to me, a gentleman, and I'm, I'm not saying his name wrong because I mispronounce everybody's name most of the time, but when I, I had to really read his name, and his name is Arsnick, spelt phonetically just like that. The heat maker. And I meet the guy, and I'm saying, what's he doing? It was this guy. And he was almost kissing my hand and bowing. And there was another guy called Joel. And I don't know this world that we're about to talk about. And I said to, to Bobby and, and Julio, who brought me up there, and this is a, this is a blown-out studio, man. This is you're talking about uh, arsenic is a multi-platinum producer. And they had an idea what they wanted to do for, for me, knowing if I didn't know if I'd go for it or whatever, and they just said, we hope you do. But th the situation is, we wrote something, and we know your book was 13 chapters, and one of the chapters was the uh, analog. What was it, Pat? Epilogue. Epilogue. And then there was 12 chapters. And they did their research, and they said, John, you were born 1212. There's 12 chapters. We were born seven minutes to midnight. And we want to do an album about your book. I said, really? Have you ever done this before? They said, no. I said, what are you known for? They said, well, and they, that was like insulting. It was like saying to Sinatra, what do you do? Are you a musician or a singer? <laughs> and Bobby had to step in, and he said, Gianni, you know, Arsenic is probably one of the most acclaimed multi-platinum rap uh, arrangers in the world and, and engineer. 
And he said, we did a cut. We want you to listen to it objectively. And I listened to it. I have to say, I cried. Now, anybody that read our book, you're going to hear the first chapter, one of 12. We're going to just play snippets of it because tonight, as you're listening to this radio show, you're listening to it December 15th. Well, starting tonight, we're having a 90-day countdown. Not only are we so enamored with what they did, Pat and I, was another announcement most of you don't know, are about to write a fictitious, fictitious series. Pat, why don't you explain that, literally, what we're into now? Okay, we're uh, putting together a fiction series based on fact, based on Gianni's life. You know, those of you who read uh, Hollywood Godfather, which, uh, thank you very much, is a hell of a lot of people, uh, can understand that there's things you can say and write about and things that you can't write about for a variety of reasons. I'll let your imagination run wild. But if you fictionalize uh, some of the experiences he had, we could do anything we want to do. So we're going to put out a series of, uh, of uh, uh, novels based on Gianni's life. And we're uh, just at the inception of this. We're giving a proposal to our agent, and we're going to take it from there. But it's going to be, uh, the plan is, it's going to be uh, at least one book a year, possibly two. And you're going to be reading things, and you have to think between the lines here. Uh, what's fact and what's not. And I think uh, you're really going to enjoy this series uh, as much as we're going to enjoy writing it. And I think a clue also for you, uh, we, we all, most of us have seen the motion picture called The Godfather. And in the same vein, Mario Puzo wrote directly and indirectly about Sinatra. He was as of Johnny Fontaine. And eventually you figured it out. And it's like so many other characters. But knowing my past, as, like some of you do, and I've been asked by some of my friends and some people who aren't my friends, saying, don't write about me. <laughs> so this gives us the opportunity to do that. And what is more exciting now, these new books are all coming out with a rap version of it for the people who don't read them, you could hear it either by me just reading it to you straight or being rapped. Uh, I'd like Mike to play uh, a hunk of, without going to the end, of what, you're, what we're talking about, so maybe you can uh, get an uh, idea. Uh, Johnny, before he does this, you, you want to set it up a little? Well, this is the first chapter of our, of our book. It's when you, I was introduced to you in the polio ward, and that's what this entails, and it's just that hunk of the book. So you'll hear a lot of cues in it, but pay attention to it, and then we'd love to hear your reaction to it and go online and how you respond to this is going to mean a lot to us. But this is a, a little teaser 
And uh, Mike, if you don't mind, please. Before all of the wins in my portfolio, I was a little boy diagnosed with polio. Experimenting with cures, I tried every one. Felt everything in my right, but my left was numb. Walking with a limp, like will I ever run? Once again, or is this it? Am I forever done? Living in the hospital was never fun. Some people were cool, but not everyone. You never know who you're lying in a room with So I broke a broomstick in half and let it groove with The concrete in the bathroom floor It had a new tip, stashed it behind the toilet In case I ever had to use it Cause one day Dolores had a chat with me Said she got word someone was coming after me My heart started beating rapidly I looked in front of me and back of me Who thinks they're whacking me? Some weeks passed, no one's made a move Maybe I was the wrong I mean, that, that was a rough cut because it's not mastered yet, but that's what we're working with. And I, I mean, well, I, I'm, I'd like Pat just to express what he felt the first time oh, he heard I, it. I'd say first you have to understand something about the publishing industry. Uh, they're, uh, they're seeped, steeped in history. Uh, the publishing industry in this country goes back hundreds of years and uh, I can say that nothing like this has ever been done before. You're putting an entire book, not only to music, but to rap. It's a whole new generation of people who are going to uh, hear this book. And it's not, you couldn't call it an audio book because the audio book has been out as long as the print book has been out. This is going to be and is something different than the annals of publication. So when Gianni calls me, about a week ago and said, I want you to hear something. He was, he was saving this to, to make sure that everything was going to work out and what was going to happen. And he didn't tell me until the end when everything was a, was a deal. And he calls me and he says, I want you to listen to this. I was floored. I mean, uh, I, I don't think even he understood the ground we're breaking here with this. Uh, it's, uh, it's, you're going to hear the entire book. 12 chapters, 12 songs, cover to cover. I was, I was, I was amazed and I, I'm honored to be a part of it. Uh, and I'm, I'm just uh, waiting for the reception. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna blow up. Yeah. And I, we apologize for the, the rough cut because obviously anybody who knows about music, it's not mastered, but we wanted to share with you. And tonight officially, starts the 90-day countdown. It's going to drop in the world one minute after midnight, March 14th, 2022. And that happens to be the 50th anniversary of The Godfather, which was a big part of my life. And what so, a coincidence. Yeah. And that's why <laughs> we feel the Hollywood Godfather should be sharing the glory with that. So we hope you feel the same way. Again, thank you for tuning in. We love you. Mike, thank you for participating tonight. And uh, buy some Christmas gifts and, and, and great memorabilia in music. We appreciate you. As always, we're going to take a fast break, do a commercial, and come back with a mailbag. 
We'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. Today's show is being sponsored by Cordelione Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. Cordelione Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of the Godfather films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco Extra Virgin Olive Oil from Sicily. They created delicious pasta sauces, marinade, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. CorleoneFineItalian.com That's CorleoneFineItalian.com We're back. We made a few dollars. Let's get to the mailbag. The mailbag. I don't mind us. First we, one. Is we from didn't start Ishmael. drinking yet either. <laughs> awesome. You're silly boys. First one is from Ishmael. It says, I love the show. Keep up the great work. Question for Gianni Does he blame himself for Marilyn Monroe's death? Didn't he say many times here on the podcast he told Costello she was going to go to the press about? John, can he explain why he didn't calm her down instead? There was no way of calming her down. And she said it in front of Bobby and every all his whole contingency. And the CIA was in on all of it. There was no way of retracting that statement. And all of us knew it. That were close to her. I mean, Buddy Greco heard it. Uh, Sinatra. And uh, she just, we didn't know emotionally how hurt she was. And we knew nothing about the abortion. So that was a shocker in itself. But uh, there was, I, I don't know how I could have, the only way I think I could have saved the life, the guy who should have saved the life was Joan Imagine, because gotcha. she called him in San Francisco to come and get her. And he called Sinatra. He said, what's going on there? She's pretty upset. He's mind your own business and don't come here and hung up. Yeah, he, he, yeah but he should have gone there anyway. She was supposed to be the uh, love of his life. He didn't even want to go up there and get her out of that mess. I know. And and they were they were rekindling to go back. Yeah. And she was very happy about that. But she wasn't too happy when he wouldn't go up there to pick her up. No kidding. I think that's why that was the end of that with her and him too. But it didn't... It didn't burden them too much because, you know, five days later she was dead, unfortunately. As I look at Marilyn's picture hanging on the wall here. Yeah. Moving right along. All right. Next one is from Chris. Chris says, what a great podcast. I live in Arizona and have a question about the Bonanno relocation to, quote, just outside of Tucson. Gianni, do you recall if the residents had red carpet? Also, was there an indoor fountain? Thank you for all the great shows and best wishes. Indoor fountain where in his house? Mm-hmm. That's an odd question. Yeah. Hot and cold running fountains. I don't, you know, I, I used, I, I, it was like an hour and a half or two hour drive out there in the desert sun. I only went out around four times. Then I started, I actually met him in Beverly Hills later on with Bill, his son, and then he made his, his son was made. I, I don't understand what he did for, and to see this guy made, a six foot three cowboy boots and cowboy hat. He's 
Bill Bonanno. <laughs> I thought it was a joke at first. <laughs> yeah, you know, oddly enough, I don't know if uh, listeners are aware of this, but uh, Bill Bonanno wrote a book with Joe Pistone, who was uh, went under the alias of Donnie Brasco, it, uh, it infiltrated the mafia for nine years, and the two of them got together to write a book, and it was a bestseller. And coincidentally, our agent, uh, Frank Wyman, uh, represented that book. Yeah, I know. I met Frank yeah. out. I met Frank. I didn't want to bring his name up, but Frank was that. We all had dinner together in L.A. They snuck in. Yeah. Now, well, I mean, they could go to L.A., but they were told to stay in Arizona or leave the country. And uh, they picked Arizona. And they picked the armpit of the world. Where they were at, my God, it was like... Middle of nowhere? Yeah, well, how about, it was a two-hour drive from the Phoenix airport mm. through the desert. Well, I guess if anybody was after me, wanted to see them coming. Yeah, you would have saw the cloud of sand as the cars yeah. were going around. <laughs> yeah, but hey, that was a stroke of genius by Frank Moiman to get those two together. He, he's the one that did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that's why I could never understand. Bill never had. I, I mean, I, I could be totally wrong. I don't know. And I'm letting my audience know I don't know. I don't know how much respect he had. I know his father had respect in Sicily, and that's why he wasn't killed, because he was such an earner. And they were heavily into drugs early on. The Bonanno family was very deep-seated in drugs, long before even the scene in The Godfather when they were saying they wanted to get involved in it. I think Bill was best known for that uh, shootout in uh, uh, South Brooklyn where there was something like 200 rounds fired and nobody got hit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we discussed this on the show a couple of months ago. The gang that uh, couldn't shoot straight. It was supposed to be, uh, uh, they are supposed to ambush uh, Bill Bonanno or his entourage they had the area surrounded. They were shooting from the roofs. The bananas were shooting back. Nobody even got scratched. Well, they never fired a revolver. You don't fire a revolver 100 yards. The bullet... <laughs> <laughs> they could have rifles. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was Bill. Yeah, he passed away, uh, I think, in 2008, 2009. Mm. Uh, it was in the 60s, yeah. Nice guy, but I mean... Yeah, I heard he was, yeah. But I don't... Not, no, not, nothing that I know of... Of being around the guys I used to know, you know. He wasn't a gangster. No. Well, Johnny, I don't know why Chris is asking, but do you re recall these details about the residence, red carpet and indoor fountain? No, no, I don't. I, I don't. I don't recollect it. But I was never in the house. House. We always sat outside in the patio and all that, and met in a restaurant in town. I wasn't going to his house. I wasn't there, to, you know, for Sunday dinner. <laughs> I was bringing the message to him, and I wanted to get the hell out of there. You didn't look at his medicine cabinet? No. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that before, though. What? Well, the, in the in the banana story, who played that? Um, Joe Cortese played him in the movie. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Well, there's a name out of the past. Hello. I think that was the first last movie he ever did. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't know. Did you see a fountain in the in the in the in the, in the movie <laughs> in the house? No, you know, he was interviewed on sixty minutes. Uh, uh, the old man, and uh, he he did a tour of the house, but the interview was outside. Huh. 
Okay. You, you can find you, you can find it online. You go, you go to uh, YouTube. I'm sure it's on there. So if the uh, whoever uh, asked that question, you can you can probably see everything you want to see because he did tour the house. I recall this was about 25, 30 years ago when he did this interview. I wasn't impressed with the house at all. It was a nice house, but nothing you would think. Yeah, so. it was a, it was a one story ranch. Yeah, you know, there's no there's no basements out there. You know what I mean? Right. It, it was nothing to. It was big. I recall. I mean, the land that they had. There was probably all kinds of security devices around there. But as far as the house itself, yeah, you're right. It just looked like an average house, nothing yeah. fancy. Okay. All right. Next is from Leo. Leo says, "Hi, Gianni. I've been looking at the new Lacosamia website a lot recently to see if it's open yet. Do you guys have an official launch date?" Well, like all of us, we've been having problems with most of our products because they're being held on the water and this, that, and the other. So we are, we're saying, or they're telling me, that we'll be up when you're listening to the show. Go to Lacosamia. It'll be up. There'll be goods to buy. We had to wait to get everything in. It's here now, though. Okay, good. So Good, that's great. And don't forget okay. to go to um, Corleone Fine Italian. Our holiday bo boxes are up. So if you're looking for gifts, those things are collectibles. They're amazing. So go to uh, Corleone Fine Italian to that website. That's in fact, we're going to be on the Today Show with Hoda and Jenna, uh, twelve twenty-one. It's a Tuesday for last it's the third hour. What's that? That's the third hour. Yeah, the third yeah. hour for last-minute gifts because we're shipping right up to the twenty-fourth that Friday. Great. All right. Last one we have is a message from Bobby D. Bobby D says, Megan, please make Gianni aware of the fact that Frank Erickson and Phil Costello were both Frank Costello's guys for years. They partnered with Costello for years in a number of endeavors. Why would I want to know that? Uh, we, we, we dropped for, uh, Frank Erickson's name. He was uh, what is termed in the police department as a KG, a known gambler. He was big into gambling, as most of the mob families were back then. But... Uh, uh, he, he he made most of his fortune gambling. If if that helps at all, you know the guy. You knew the guy. I know of the guy. No, he I was, see. Again, to, to our audience, remember when I was with Costello, I was in my teens, and then when he sent me out to Vegas, I was still in my teens, and then I never really came back to do street or messages that I was doing in New York again. As we know that we you laid out perfectly well in the book, Pat. Because yeah, and also uh, uh, Erickson worked with Arnold Rothstein, who we discussed a few weeks ago. They were big, big time gamblers. Yeah, and that's you know that that was something that Maya and Costello kept to themselves. With that, I, I would have no knowledge of that. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all we have time for tonight. Well, perfect. Well, again, we can't express our appreciation. It's Christmas season. You've been a gift to us every week, tuning in. We, well need, we need more uh, reviews. And I, I can't express enough to buy this nostalgic tracks. 
I'm sure anybody you give them to would be great. They would want it, and uh, they'll appreciate it. And with that said, good night, Megan. Love you. Pat, I'll be talking to you. And we'll be, see you on the radio next week. Absolutely. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Horan, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. Tell me and I'll be around. I'll be around.